Listen to every New England Revolution game online. Download the 98.5 The Sports Hub app. This is The Soccer Show with your host, DJ Bean. Good morning, everybody. It's 98.5 The Sports Hub. It's The Soccer Show. My name is DJ Bean. I got Jeff Lemieux alongside. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. Hi, DJ. Good morning. Happy Saturday. I'm doing uh, pretty great. The hockey. You don't sound like you knew whether you were doing great or not. That's you, why you were flip flopping on whether you were great or not. So I once a week I uh, visit my uh, pal at her office, and uh, we talk about how I could be doing greater, or maybe if I'm doing a little too great, I vocalize all that and catch myself and be like, okay, everything's going to even out at some point. Hey, uh, it's a very healthy thing to do, and I appreciate your openness. I'd love for things to even out for the revolution of New England last week, famously on this show, a big takeaway for a lot of listeners was that I kicked off the program by telling you, Jeff, that I wanted you to kill me. Do you, you remember did, that? You did do that. I do remember that. And I did not come through. I apologize. And here I am. I wanted you to kill me because of, uh, why did I want you to kill me? I don't remember. It had something to do with the revs. <laughs> yeah. And th- right. th- th- there must've been some sort of like one step forward, two steps backwards thing. And a little inside baseball, during the Orlando City game last week, when the Revs had fallen down 2-0, I was texting you, I want you to kill me. And I got to stop saying. The, I feel that, like this is a conversation they're going to end up having in your friend's office. Possibly. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to stop using that terminology. But I was lamenting to you like, oh, no, like what a, what a bad situation the Revs are in. Bam, Carlos comes through. And... It's 2-1, and I think, Deej, don't don't go to extremes like your friend Billy Joel. Let's wait for this game to finish out and play the 90 minutes and see what's what. And then immediately the Revs conceded another goal, and Carlos scores his second at the very end to make it 3-2. It wasn't really a 3-2 game. Orlando City, though, if there's a silver lining, is playing so 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 well right now. So I guess the silver lining is you finish you you got a a close result against the team that's beating everybody in the league right now. But where are the revs to you? Well, the big question I think is going to be how the revs look at that second half in Orlando and use that now moving forward into these final two games and into the playoffs. Because they move Matt there was, back. There was a pretty big tactical shift at halftime of that game in Orlando where the Reds moved from the system that they've been using over the course of the past few games with Matt Polster playing as an inverted left back, sliding into midfield in possession. They moved away from that for the second half of that game, put Matt Polster back into a central midfield position, went with three center backs with Henry Kessler coming back from injury and solidified things in the back. I thought it was great for Kessler to get that opportunity to play in that spot alongside Romney and Gonzalez because it gave him a little bit more cover as he comes back from injury. And the Reds did look a little more solid through those second 45 minutes. So now the question becomes, as Clint P.A. and his staff and the players analyze that second half in Orlando, does that now shift the mentality? Do they now switch systems moving forward? So I think that's going to be the interesting question. But the, the other question, and it's something that Dave Romney brought up when we spoke with him earlier this week, is as you analyze those second 45 minutes in Orlando, you also have to factor in the fact that Orlando was at home defending a two-goal lead. So they were naturally going to sit back a little bit deeper, 
the Revs were probably going to look a little bit better in that second half, regardless of the circumstances. So kind of a lot for the Revs to sift through. It's the old, uh, well, that quarterback throws for a lot of yards. It's like, yeah, it's because his team falls behind and then they do all that. Okay, Uh, I gotcha. Is the tactical change more in line with what they were doing before? The change Before Clint PA? The change they made for the second half was still something completely new, playing with three center backs okay. and kind of playing with two wing backs. So still a departure from what we had seen for most of the season, but something that I feel like the Reds did look a little bit, maybe a little bit more comfortable in in the second half. Uh, Revs play in Nashville tonight. Preds play in Boston tonight. They're calling it. I don't know what they're calling it, but it's a Boston big Nashville thing. I think you and I can both can we agree on that. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to go with Boston Big Nashville thing as the name. There will be some workshopping there, but it is a pretty big day for the Boston. The creative team is Nashville. grinding yeah. around the clock. Yeah. We got people working on it. Hopefully there will be shirts out at some point. And as glad as I am to have hockey back, I've I've loved being able to watch the NHL the last few nights. Uh, this Nashville SC Revolution game is the biggest game of the Revolution season. I think, because where the Revs are in the standings, fifth, we've talked ad nauseum about wanting to finish top four, and yeah, most of the season, they haven't had to worry about that. Well, whatever, things change. Right now, they do have to worry about that. They've got two games left, uh, Columbus and Philadelphia, both of whom are ahead of them, fourth and third, respectively, have one game remaining, Revs two points behind Columbus, Revs three points behind Philadelphia. If the Revs win out, they're finishing third, and if the Revs just win tomorrow, right? No, no, they, they, they need to do a little something. But the, the Revs easily can finish in fourth place. They control their destiny. Yeah, you're sorry. Go ahead. But this game tomorrow, this game tonight against Nashville is so much easier, depending on how Philadelphia uh, You're at home the, against Philly. Right. But this, I think, is the big one. This is the game in hand, officially. This is the one I feel that you need to grab. Not easy to play in Nashville. Nashville, if you've listened to... uh, This show's only existed one season, granted. But if you've listened to my soccer coverage over the years on NBC Sports Boston, I hate Nashville. That team, they're so annoying to play against because they're so good defensively. Shout out Dave Romney, but get those... the, The whole thing, I hate the experience... This game, though, is the one that they should win. Yeah, I think you're naturally at a point in the season where every game that's coming up on the schedule is going to be like right now. Yes, this Nashville game, biggest game of the season. But if the Reds go out and win on tonight in Nashville, then that game next weekend against Philadelphia immediately becomes the biggest game of the season. Because not only would the Reds have an opportunity to clinch third place in the Eastern Conference, but you in that scenario, if, if the Reds win tonight in Nashville and then next weekend on decision day, don't beat Philadelphia, you're still not feeling great regardless of where you finish in the Eastern Conference. You're not going to feel great going into the playoffs because you got to think back to the Reds' last home game against Columbus, first home loss of the season. Great point. So if you finish the season with another bad home result, it doesn't matter whether you've got home field advantage in the playoffs because you've had a couple bad results at home. So, yeah, tonight against Nashville, huge game. Next weekend against Philadelphia, I think, is going to be just as important because you're really going to want to make sure that you're going into the playoffs feeling good and that you've got another good, positive home win under your belt before you're going into the playoffs. I was thrilled uh, last Saturday. The, the, the great, great, great silver lining, other than some of the Carlos Heel heroics, is that for the second straight week, 
I got to see Henry Kessler. And for the first straight week, it wasn't the Saw 10 character. (laughs) It was real-life Henry Kessler on the pitch, playing 45 minutes, playing a clean 45 minutes. We were so excited at the beginning of the season about the Dave Romney acquisition and what that back line could look like with both of them playing together. Romney, I think we both agree, has been far better than any of us could have expected, which has been great because he's had to do it without Henry Kessler. How did Kessler look to you? Is it unfair to read off the adrenaline of the first game and then project from there? Because, honestly, in no way do I see Henry Kessler returning as anything but very, very, very positive. Oh, it's a huge positive, and... Again, I think because the Revs put him out there in the system that they played with three center backs, it gave him an opportunity in that scenario, playing his first competitive 45 minutes in six months. It gave him a little bit of extra cover as well. So I thought that was smart to get Kessler 45 minutes in that system and sort of ease him in a little bit. And he talked this week about the importance of getting in in that Orlando game and playing 45 minutes because he felt like, you know, if you push that debut back another week and you're not getting him in until this weekend in Nashville, all of a sudden you're right on top of the playoffs and is he really going to have enough time to shake off that rust, which there is going to be rust naturally after six months without a competitive match, there's going to be some rust. But Henry said, thought it was a great opportunity to play 45 minutes in Orlando, shake off that initial rust, hopefully he can get back out on the field, play some significant minutes tonight in Nashville And then, you know, is it a little too optimistic to say he's 100% by the start of the playoffs? Maybe. But if you can get him around 90%, 95%, that's a huge boost. Okay. We've talked a lot about this person throughout the summer, really. And now I think it's appropriate to at least hit on Lionel Messi once more because Inter-Miami misses the playoffs. That was a big question when they signed him. They were last in the Eastern Conference, I believe second last in the entire league. We saw what they did in the League's Cup, which was just fantastic, and you couldn't take your eyes off it. And Messi, I believe his last start was like mid-September. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Aaron Lewis, Massachusetts connection. And Inter-Miami doesn't end up uh, making that miraculous run, which... Honestly, we can say now, like, as a Revs fan, with what's been going on with the Revs the last couple of months, good. I don't want there to be some freaking buzzsaw there right now anyway. Well, every team in the Eastern Conference is breathing Relieved. a sigh of relief. Cincinnati breathing a sigh of relief that they don't have to see Miami in that first round. I don't think that Cincinnati, by the way, and I, they've had a great season. I don't look at Cincinnati as an impenetrable fortress. I don't look at anybody in the Eastern Conference, and granted, Orlando just kind of had their way with the Revs. But if the Revs are fit, playing well, feeling themselves where we think they can be, Bo healthy, or Bo fit, I should say, uh, Chonkalai continuing to improve. I've liked Earl Edwards, Kessler healthy and everything. Like I think the Revs could beat anybody. I think that, or I think that there's no team in the Eastern Conference that I say, I automatically count this team out against that team. No, I think Cincinnati have unquestionably earned the distinction as the favorite coming out of the Eastern Conference, especially with how good they were at home this season. Mm-hmm. Some of the only points they dropped at home all year were in their 2-2 draw yeah. with the Reds. But there are, there are, to your point, like seven teams in the East. I mean, as you go down the list of Columbus, Philly, Orlando, Atlanta, the Reds, Nashville, there's like seven teams who could win the East 
and would not surprise you in the slightest. That's MLS, though. Man. It is, which is so great about it. That, as I was getting into MLS, I remember you would frequently like point those things out. To, I'd be like, oh, man, that team's six points out of a playoff spot. Man, I hope they can get back in it. And you'd be like, what do you mean? They're in win, it. win two games. They're going to be in second place <laughs> yeah. in like an hour. Yeah, like it, it's it's crazy the the parity more so than any other of the the big leagues in North America. This all though, getting back to Messi, it's been a great experience, and obviously there's going to be more of it. But like, it's worked out for me, the MLS and Revs fan, kind of perfectly because I don't have to worry about the Revs having to play Messi and. He still ended up making that big impact. I would have liked, as an overall MLS fan, if he could have continued to kind of bring the attention there, but it fell off a little bit. Yeah, un- unquestionably, there's a little bit of you know disappointment that Messi ends up picking up the injury when he did at a really critical yeah. point in the season, misses some important games, and Miami's going to miss the playoffs. But I think you could – it's not even that you could make the argument. I feel like it's probably a relatively easy argument that even if Cincinnati – who's already won the Supporters' Shield, Cincinnati, say, goes on and wins MLS Cup, I think you can make a pretty easy argument that Miami's year probably, quote-unquote, more successful than Cincinnati's year in the sense that you brought in the greatest player in the history of the game to play for your club. You brought in a bunch of pieces around him, and now as you go into the offseason with very likely, lots of people around the league seem to think that this offseason there are going to be some restrictions lifted in terms of how you can build your roster in major league soccer and your pitch is come live in Miami and play with Messi. Like Miami, Miami probably had the best year of any team in major league soccer without even making the playoffs. Ah, man, that, that reminds me, you said Cincinnati earned the supporter shield. They absolutely did. We haven't hit on this on this show. What did you think of Pat Noonan saying that the supporter shield is I'm paraphrasing here, but he thinks that the Supporter Shield holds more relevance in the league than the MLS Cup. Yeah, that's something you say when you win the Supporter Shield. I yeah, I'm like I and I like Pat Noonan. Oh, but I'm like a, done an incredible. I mean, a Revs a Revs legend does yeah. an incredible job with Cincinnati. That's a team that finished last place in MLS for three Kenny Arena years. on the staff. Kenny Arena on the staff. Yeah. Chris Albright, another former Revs player in the GM position, has done a fantastic job. But until they start putting a star on your jersey for the supporter shield and they start calling the defending champs the supporter shield champs it's not going to matter as much as MLS Cup and it's also it's an unbalanced schedule eastern conference teams hardly play western conference right. teams like there's a whole argument here but look until they start putting a star on your jersey for supporter shield it's not as important as MLS Cup that's just the way it is and you got to consider your fan base your fan base is largely a bunch of north americans who are used to you play a regular season and then you get to the playoffs, and whoever takes it, takes it, and that's what it's all about. So I understand that it's maybe more soccer to contend. The Supporters' Shield is falls more in line with the sport, but nah, man. I disagree, and I'm glad you disagree as well. But shout out Pat Noonan and Nashville because they had a monster season, and hopefully... It ends at some point at the hands of your New England revolution. We'll be backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. 
Text Laney to 45911 to see which four Laney Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Laney to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Back on the Soccer Show. Thank you, Jeff, with Charlie Davey. The Soccer Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub, home of the New England Revolution. 98.5 The Sports Hub Soccer Show. You know what the heck it is. If you know who the heck this next man is, it's our number nine. You hear the chuckle already, and you hear him telling cool stories, having real conversations when he's kicking it on CBS Sports. Golasso and on morning footy, it's Charlie Davies. Howdy, Charlie. Howdy. It's a Friday. It's glorious. Yes. And if people are wondering why we're being so friendly to each other, it's because, right? Are these friendlies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. The <laughs> I'll uh, happen, uh, say, yeah. U.S. men's national team has some friendlies uh, starting Saturday against Germany and then Ghana on Tuesday. I think they're going to pretty much have everybody. Charlie, what are you watching for in these games? Well, this Germany side is going to look a little bit different now that uh, Julian Nagelsmann is, is taking over in his first match as the German boss. He signed a, a one-year contract. So they're going to go back. Uh, they're going to change the formation and go to most likely a 4-2-2-2. And you have a, a German team that's trying to reclaim their their status in world football they're trying to find the the joy again because it seems over the past uh the past cycle that it just wasn't the german the dominant german german side that we're accustomed to seeing and they have a lot of, of younger players who are starting to come into to their prime i mean they're really in a zone uh when i look at uh, jamal musiala and and the Bayern Munich team, who is absolutely sensational. Now you have him, you have Leroy Zane, who, who's been around for quite a long time, but he's in a, in a real uh, fine form right now at Bayern Munich. And then Florian Wirtz is, is a new up-and-coming rising star out of the Bayern Leverkusen, set, Bayern Leverkusen setup. So I, I really like what Germany has in terms of, of pieces when it comes to talent, and Joshua Kimmich is probably going to be moved back into a a central defensive midfielder role. Um, so it, it's a big test for the Americans. And when I look at this national team side, Chris Richards played in, at, in Germany. He played at Bayern Munich. He played at Hoffenheim. So he has a good understanding of, of what he's going up against. Gio Reyna, who's joined the national team for the first time since Gio, uh, since Greg Berhalter has been rehired, uh, now looking to get some minutes. He, he's not obviously match sharp, match fit, but I see him getting a lot of minutes in this game. He plays for Bayern, uh, Borussia Dortmund. So I think that'll be an interesting uh, matchup because when you play in the country that you're playing against, you want to, you want to prove a point. Mm. One, you're, you're a proud American. You want to show, show the Germans that, Hey, Americans can play and we deserve to be playing and deserve to, to, to kind of star in the Bundesliga. We're going to show we're capable of, of and you also want to have the bragging rights. So this is a, a massive game because there is no World Cup qualifying for, for the U.S. Men's National Team because the World Cup is played in, in North America in 2026. So the friendlies just have a heightened importance now. And, and now 
that you're going to be able to play these European teams because after the Euros next summer, there's going to be a, a real importance and, and significant um, drive to play matches against the U.S., against Canada, and against Mexico in preparation for 2026. So I'm excited to see where Greg Berhalter, uh, you know, where he makes some slight adjustments in, in the lineup and to see these guys continue to evolve. I want to see them create chances in, in different ways, get get Christian Pulisic on the ball and, and Timothy Weah and allow Balakin to get different chances, get him involved in the game and not have him kind of just be hanging out uninvolved or not get to, or have to check so deep to get a touch here or there. I want to see this U.S. team attacking and, and being vigilant in transition. Uh- I mentioned that they're pretty much going with a, a full and stout roster. They only called in two MLS players, did the, the States. Tell you what, though, one of them is Dewan Jones. How do we like this for him? I love that Dewan Jones is getting called into the A-team camps now. This this is the big boys, even though they're, they're all young. This is the big boys camp, and Dewan Jones has earned this call-up with his, with his play. When he's got the national team look, He's delivered when he's playing with the New England Revolution, whether he plays on the right side, which he is right, right-footed, but he's owned the left-back position, and all of a sudden you have a new coach putting you on the right. That, that can cause uh, a player to kind of get into a funk. That can cause a rift with a coach. But Dewan Jones always puts his head down. He does whatever the team asks him, whatever the coach asks him. He's always been a, a, a player that's playing for the team, and he's playing for the badge. And I respect that. And he's also obviously has a hand in the community trying to uplift the children and get them, you know, to go back to school with all the things they need to, to learn um, and develop. So Dewan Jones, is, I, I hope he sees some time because one accomplishment that would be from, you know, playing as an attacker in college and taking his time on the right back, right wing, left back. And now here he is with the A team uh, on the national side playing probably behind uh, Serginho Dest as a left back, and then you have Christopher Loon. So Chris Loon is also left back. But if he can get some minutes, that would be absolutely massive. But make no mistake, just DeJuan Jones being in that environment, in that atmosphere, competing in training every day with the top players the U.S. Men's National Team has, that is massive. And I'm so happy for him because it is, it is such a big accomplishment for, for DeJuan Jones. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, Premier League and I'll tell you what, Charlie, I should have known something was up when uh, my trees gave Man City uh, some fits back in late September. It was a pretty close game, closer than a lot of people thought. Man City, though, since then, they fall to the Wolves, or Wolves, I should say, and they fall to Arsenal. Are the champs vulnerable? You know what? They, they are vulnerable in the sense that they're not as strong as they were last year. And, I, I, you know, I look at Jack Grealish, for instance, he gave an interview, and he said, it's, it's pretty tough when you won everything on the club level last season. They won the trouble, which hadn't been done since the famous United side in the, the late 90s. So you win, you, you're coming off such a high. And we all know Jack Grealish is a, is a big partier, and he enjoyed that limited vacation time he had. So when you come back, you're trying to find that motivation again. And it's, it's easy to say, oh, you just got to do it again. 
but you're, you're trying to go above that, above and beyond. And so that's where you see players like Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, what they were able to do for 15 years straight is just absolutely astounding because they never let that drive or they never let the accomplishment stop the drive. They always wanted more. They kept pushing. They were never satisfied. So for, for Manchester City, obviously they're supremely talented and they're going to finish in the top four, but they're just not as dangerous when you don't have Kevin De Bruyne on the pitch. That's a, that's a big part of how Erling Holland gets chances, how Erling Holland is able to move freely in the back and third because Kevin De Bruyne can, can break down defenses on his own. So now when you have one player who's pulling one, two, even three defenders out of space, that's where Erling Holland uh, capitalizes. So they're, they're just not as dangerous going forward. Um, they're a little bit more predictable without Kevin De Bruyne there, and, and I think that's hurt, hurt them. But they're still going to get him back, and when they do, you'll see the best of Manchester City. Uh, Tottenham enters the weekend top of the table, 20 points, as uh, does Arsenal. Can Tottenham really make a run and really challenge for this whole thing? They can. And it's it's basically around different principles. It's a different philosophy. Anj Postacoglu, whether you like Tottenham or you don't, I don't. I like Anj Postacoglu. Anj Postacoglu, as a manager, one, I love his accent. He's Australian. Who doesn't love an Australian yeah. accent? But, but two, just the way he's able to manage the squad, manage expectations, manage the, the, the crowd and the supporters. It's, it's been awesome to see because he's a little bit unconventional to see him go from coaching in Australia, coaching in Japan to coaching Celtic. And now at the top of the table uh, with, with Tottenham, that, that's pretty remarkable. And, you know, you lose, not only are you taking over Tottenham, you're taking over Tottenham when they're, you're losing the best player on Tottenham, one of the best strikers of all time in the English Premier League in Harry Kane going to Bayern Munich, and for him to still compete, that, and not only compete, be the best, and, and continue to wow uh, the English Premier League supporters, that, that's fantastic. So I look at how he's been able to bring the energy to, to the team, and, and it starts with the style of play. I think Yves Basuma playing in midfield along, uh, along Sar has been fantastic. They protect the back four super well. They're good in, in, in possession, shelling the ball left to right. Holman Son, uh, I think, has done a good job of, of not feeling the pressure of having to score every single game and pick up the slack that Harry Kane, since Harry Kane left. I think he's, he's still the same Holman Son, creating chances for other people, trying to take his chances when he can. So uh, I think that has been a big positive. And then James Madison coming to the club, he's only getting better. We saw how good he was at Leicester City. But now, like when you're playing with a top quality side where the expectations are a little bit higher, he's he's really delivered. So uh, from that standpoint, as long as they don't have any major injuries, I do see them competing all the way to the end uh, for sure. Champions Champions League spot, and I think they're going to put pressure on Arsenal and Manchester City. He's the best in the business. It's Charlie Davies. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend and enjoy the call on a big game for the Revs in Nashville. Big game for the Reds of Nashville, and I hope to see some people at the U.S. National Team game today. Let's go. Heck to the yeah. All right, appreciate you, Charlie. We'll be back with Brad Feldman. On- 
BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text QUEENS to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text QUEENS to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. 98.5 The Sports Hub. The Soccer Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub, home of the New England Revolution. Back on The Soccer Show, 98.5 The Sports Hub, making his soccer show debut is the voice of the New England Revolution, Brad Feldman. Hi, Brad. Who are you again? I don't know what debut means, but <laughs> clearly I heard someone use it earlier and I was yeah. like, this is a, I got to sprinkle this in. Did I use that correctly? Dave yourself is what I have to say. They call me Dave Bean because my name is Dave Bean. Uh, Brad, let's talk about uh, Major League Soccer, specifically the New England Revolution. Now, 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 now they're fifth place in the Eastern Conference. And that doesn't have to stay true, though. And as time goes on, things could change, mainly really with the playing of of matches. And tonight they're going to take on Nashville SC, who sits seventh in the Eastern Conference. But don't worry, folks at home. I know what you're thinking. Oh, are they going to catch the Revs? It can't happen. They're too far behind them. That's so true. you got to toss that thought out of your head. Do the math. You do the math. Revs, however, can move up. They can get to third. Or third. Fourth. third or fourth. Third yeah. or fourth. And fourth most realistic. I view this, the Nashville game, because Nashville's fourth. Uh, or Col- I'm sorry, Columbus is fourth. Uh, but with this Nashville game, they can leapfrog Columbus, get to four. Everybody then, else in the East is idle. And then they'll be done and take your yep. chances against Philadelphia as you try to chase them because they've got, the Revs have two games left to Columbus and Philadelphia. That's why I always say two games at a time. Okay. So, I view this as the, like the biggest game of the season. Are the Revs up for it, do you feel? I and think is this so. a winnable one? I do because, you know, I think in Revs Nation, Revs World, a lot of people feel like there's been a lot of suffering, relatively speaking, as of late, mm-hmm. in, you know, in terms of results. If you want to look for somebody who has it worse than you, Revs fans, take a look at the couple months that Nashville has had. They've only had one win the last 11 games, only one win since they restarted from League's Cup, and they're having a lot of trouble scoring goals. Uh, home and away, they, have, they, 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 they beat up on Sporting Kansas City. That was their one victory. Other than that, they had Big quite whoop, big whoop, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, that's the one time today I've agreed with you so far. Okay, it's good. A, it's not a big whoop. So they, they, um, like Nashville's still very tough defensively, not an easy place to go and play. So I'm not saying there's a, a you know, lay down victory for them. But if there's a team you want to get right now, I think it's uh, the SCs of Nashville. Nashville has not scored. As you mentioned, they're having trouble scoring. Uh, no goals in the last three games. And be it Colorado or Chicago, the Revs recently had matchups against teams that were very hard-pressed to find the back of the net. They had multiple games without goals themselves, yet... They managed to score. Not once. But more than once. But more than once in those games. So much attention is on the tactical changes and the things that Clint P.A. has implemented. And, I mean... We're even seeing tweets from family members of players about where certain people are played. And, I mean, that's sports and that's fandom and all these things. 
are these team are, are it will Nashville take advantage of the Revs defensively the way that these other teams did? Well, or have the Revs kind of shored things up a bit? I think we have to wait and see what happens tonight. This sort of obvious thing to say, but it's a cop out. No, it, 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 <laughs> okay. That's bull. Okay, you want to get off the fence? What yeah. I will say is that I thought that Henry Kessler had a very encouraging-looking 45 minutes last week. He looked rangy. He looked relaxed. He was anticipating very well. I think because it was a disappointing result, a lot got lost in the fact that he himself played 45 minutes-plus of shutout soccer. Mm. And so I think the fact that you have him, and Dave Ronnie still has hardly put a foot wrong, and so I think that, you know, it's quite possible that they will have shored things up. Um, you know, what, what I saw in those games where they conceded the, those bad goals was that they played well for 88, 89 minutes and let their guards down once or twice, and good teams will punish you. Nashville can do that. They got Hani Mukhtar. He's a bad boy. Right. He, 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 like, he has 15 goals, 10 assists, and a perennial MVP candidate. He's, he, he'll get you on the counter. Uh, so you got to be judicious about where you take risks and don't lose the ball in that sort of you know no fly zone in in you know the center quarter of your own half of the field. Uh, and the Revs do do that because they like to play out of the back sometimes, and that diagonal ball into the holding midfielder or from the holding midfielder out to the wing or places where you can get jumped. So they need to be smart. Uh, but you know. Nashville will play like a, a road team at home sometimes and absorb pressure and hit you going the other way. So that's where the refs could be exposed. But I think, you know, sort of when they're in their defensive shape, out of possession, I like the group they have, especially now that Henry Kessler is back. Speaking of, of Mukhtar, some of the things that Carlos Heel has done, and say speaking of Mukhtar, why are you talking about Carlos Heel? Carlos is the Revs' Mukhtar, and there's going to be a statistical comparison in just one second. Seven scoring chances for Carlos Heel in this game against Orlando City. That's a season high for him. That would be a season high for Lionel Messi. That would be a season high for Mukhtar. Are we in a Carlos feels he's kind of got to do everything mode while Bo gets more comfortable and well, well like, like I think it's it, or Carlos and Shankala do everything. I'm not trying to be like, talk down to me. Give it me. Well, I think that's reductive yeah. in, in so far as he doesn't feel like he has to do everything. He's also creating a lot of chances mm-hmm. for other people. But when he took that speculative shot for the second, uh, Rev's goal, it was almost like I have no other options. I'm going to put on the keeper and see if he throws it in the net for me. And it worked, you know, uh, it, it like, that was a speculative shot. Like we don't have anything better than me blasting it from outside the area, but Carlos can do that. And he wrong foots goalkeepers all the time. Cause they expect him to play facilitator. And all of a sudden he corks a lefty shot. It's on goal. And Carlos's timing placement, like the first goal, the way he bounced it, I think made it much more difficult for the keeper than people realize. Cause it opens up the space. He bounced it right in front of him, like a lacrosse shot, you know, I don't think that I think they're going to start getting production from other areas. I think they're, you know, like it's going to be tough without Noel and, mm-hmm. and, and Dewan for sure. But I think um, Gustavo Bo has a goal in him soon. Uh, and I think that if Gustavo Bo starts looking even more dangerous, then everything dovetails from there because that's what they've been missing is that sort of that joker in the deck, that X factor, the guy who can pop up anywhere. Um, getting back to Carlos Heel, he's a different guy than Mukhtar um, insofar as. You know, Mukhtar is kind of more vertical. Mm-hmm. Carlos is more surgical. But Carlos, he's like 
using a current cliche, he's kind of a cheat code. Like he just has, he has more, more stuff, more different tricks and different ways to unlock you and to make chances for himself and other people than just about anybody in the history of the league forget presently. Like he, he's, you know, they would not be in the conversation for a top four spot, obviously without Carlos Hill. I totally agree with you on Bo too. And people overdo the, like, how many wins does this person add or whatever? But there are moments the last few games where, like, if Bo is just a little more Bo, he does get that goal and the loss becomes a draw. And we're talking about different uh, placement in the standings and all that. Uh, Tomas Vatsleek, safe to say, probably not going to see him. Earl's the guy. I'm cool with Earl being the guy. Probably Earl. Yeah. Unlikely Tomas. You know, they might throw us another wrinkle. Who knows? I like Earl. I don't know, and I don't know Tomash. Sorry to this man. You don't he know too him. much? Then why do you keep acting like you do? I don't know Tomash, but I know finish <laughs> it and give me both artists on the song. Oh, geez. I don't know much, but I know I love you. That may be all I need to know. You one of them is a this is like a cle this this voice the next to Michael McDonald, Jack. shut up. This voice next to Michael McDonald is like the yeah, I'm be there. Is like the go there, go to. It's no, no. It's uh, Aaron Neville. Oh, that's good. And who else? Oh, geez. very famous. You're putting me on the artist. spot. You're putting me on the spot here. Completely it's out of range of what we were. Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt okay. trivia. Sorry, I failed. You, you did. All right, we'll be back. Thanks, Brad. Uh, yeah, appreciate it, DJ. Yeah, uh, we'll be back with uh, Ross Smith of Apple TV. He's going to tell us all about this game this evening. It's a soccer show, 95 The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Laney to 45911 to see which four Laney Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Laney to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. The Soccer Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub, home of the New England Revolution. Wrapping up the soccer show here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Rev's got a big one against Nashville SC this evening. Arguably the most important game against Nashville tonight. The Bruins obviously taking on the Predators as well. Last week, we had Tony Husband on to break down Orlando City. Why not grab his broadcast partner, <laughs> Ross Smith, because he's also going to be on the call this evening for this Nashville SC one. How are you, Ross? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well, thank you. That's a tough act to follow after Tony. I hope you wore him down last week. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I was I was as, as annoying as I usually am, and I think he <laughs> uh, barely survived it, but he was uh, very nice and very informative because uh, all you Apple TV broadcasters are just uh, too kind and too uh, helpful in uh, coming on with us. Uh, let me ask you this, and I have really tried to stay the optimist throughout what has been an, uh, a unique <laughs> stretch for the Revs. Here's me being very optimistic. Yes. They lose that one 3-2, and it takes some heroics from Carlos Heel for it to even look that close. I do come out of it saying, though, Orlando City right now is awesome. So you 
lost by one to a team that is probably beating anybody in the league right now. How did the Revs look to you? That's such a great point. And I said going into it that I look at Orlando. They're, they're the form team right now. It, the results show it. But they're probably the worst team for anybody to come up against. They are horrible to play against because first and foremost, to start matches, they, they want to get in a street fight. You know, they have players on their team who will scratch and claw for everything. And then when they've worn you down, they pop up with their quality. And so the balance to the team, and they've got a good thing going right now. There's a bit of swagger about them. So for the Revs, probably the toughest opponent for them to come up against. And for me, DJ, I thought going into the match, there was a couple of areas that Revolution would have to look at. And in the first 15, 20 minutes, there were definitely two problem areas. And it's interesting, before the first goal, I saw it was off camera. Mark Anthony Kay went over to Clint PA and was obviously having a conversation. And, and it looked to be he was worried about the space in behind him and, and Buck and in front of the back line. He was worried about that. I thought that was one problem area. And I thought Polster, the positioning of, of a left back coming into number six, was a problem area. And if you look at the first two goals conceded by the Revs, the first one, ball goes out wide and it's whipped in. And, and Polster doesn't close down quick enough. And McGuire, who has had a fantastic season, um, you know, one of the best newcomers into the league, scores a great goal. But the problem out wide, Polster doesn't close down quick enough. And then the second goal, problem, if you watch Noel Buck, I mean, he's not marking anybody. And the way he tracks back, ball gets to the end line and it, and it comes back in. And Buck, as the ball has come from one side of the pitch to the other, he's marking space. And I'd be interested, DJ, just to know what that conversation was at halftime. The fact that three players were dragged, three other players came in. Um, but I thought the damage was done off those two goals. You mentioned uh, the street fight element of Orlando. And the Revs maybe of late haven't been fielding a ton of, and I say this very, uh, very glowingly and with all the love of my heart, like a lot of a-holes, Nacho Heel, I think, has a little bit of that in him. Hmm. Enter Henry Kessler. How far do you think his return goes for the Revs? And do you think that as he's, I mean, he's been off for so long, but he's young. Do you think that he can come in and make an impact down the stretch? Because when you do add him to that back line, they get so much better. We barely saw yeah. any of him and Romney together. Yeah, he has the rare ability of a of a center back where he can deal with anything in front of him and he can deal with anything in behind him. You know, sometimes you get center backs who just want to win everything in front but they hate going on the turn and it can go the other way where other center backs, they're afraid to step in. They, you know, they'd rather just look after that space in behind and the way he reads the game, the, the one area of, of concern, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he made a big difference to your point coming on in the second half, just the control that he showed the controlling of space and that area that I, I talked about, one of the problem areas behind Mark Anthony K. Um, you can see Kessler stepping into that area in that second half. And so that took away um, you know, on, on the other end, Pereira, who um, Pereira, who's a, a big threat for Orlando, he didn't have that space to go into as much. The one worry is, I always feel when you come back from an injury, the first game you get the first game excitement, the first game bounce as a player because you, you, you're excited to be back, and so fitness isn't a worry. But it's after the first or second game you tend to have a little dip as reality starts to set in, and and your body it's not going through that euphoria and and, and to the heights of adrenaline to what you get. So that would be the worry. You know, he, he could maybe keep that bump up. Hopefully he keeps that bump up. But you typically see with, with players come back from long-term injury, there, there is a dip. All right, the Revs enter this game currently fifth place, would not have home field advantage if the postseason started today. They're two points behind fourth place Columbus, 
three points behind third place Philadelphia, but they have two games remaining to those teams. One tonight's game is the game in hand. So the Revs still can get to third. How important is it for a team that, you know, again, like week to week, game to game, we we don't really know if we're up or down on them. How important is it for them to finish in that top four? I think it's huge. Just if you looked at the records alone, yeah. they're, they're winless in what is it, eleven straight away matches, and the fact that they only lost one match at home all year. And granted, that was just a couple of matches ago where they lost at home. Um, but for them, the maturity and the, the side as well. So you put that record and the confidence you have going in, knowing that you protect your home for the most part, and then you have the maturity of I feel like you, you do have guys in the right positions. I call them the, the been there, done that players. And so you, you put that record at home along with players of, of maturity, players who can turn it on. All of a sudden, that, that's a huge, huge um, area of, it, of an advantage for the team. And also coming up against you know, the other teams outside of the, what I would say, that the top seven in the East. Uh, I say like eighth and ninth, those positions, I think there's definitely a drop-off. But the top seven, I mean, pick your poison because every single team on their day can turn it on and can be a huge threat. But especially if... Revolution end up facing Atlanta or Columbus, who I think are such a big threat and attack. I think you want to be home. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with that. And like, as you do look at the standings, and I'm just going to repeat what you said, but like, you think like, obviously they're not going to end up playing FC Cincinnati, who they've who they've played pretty well <laughs> this year anyway. Yeah. But like, they're not going to get Cincinnati. But you don't want Orlando. You probably don't want Philadelphia. And the the Revs, I hope, do slot into that. You don't want this team. Because while bad teams have found them to be ripe for the picking the last couple of months, <laughs> if and when they ever get it going, and there have been moments, Ross, the last couple of weeks where Carlos Heel has kind of had to do the Kyrie Irving, whatever, I'll just do it all myself, and he is able to do it all himself. But once Gustavo Bo was a little more fit, and I say once, if, I guess, if all these other pieces fall into place, if Giacomo Vrioni is what we know he can be, if Bo is what we know he can be, if Kessler is healthy, suddenly, I mean, George A. Petrovich isn't coming back. But like <laughs> you, you yeah. look at this roster, and if they're playing well, I feel like they still should be a really big threat. No? Yeah, those are big names you've mentioned. And one name, Tomas uh, Chonkalai, yes. who has come in. I mean... He was terrific. In the first half, when I looked and, and I thought they're going through a, a difficult period right now, the Revs, Carlos Hill and Chonkalai were the two who stepped up, had something different. And he could have been a different game. Of course, you can look at that. At nil-nil, he's hit the crossbar. Um, but the game, I've, I've watched every single game since he's come in for the Revs, and he's just got something different. And he carries himself. When you talk about Nacho Hill, has that bit of nastiness about him. I feel like Chonkalai has that bit of nastiness about him. He wants to get stuck in. He wants to win that desperation. Um, and I think that's contagious. So you have big hitters in that team and, and Gustavo Bo, you know, the wrong side of, of 30, Carlos Heel, um, you know, is, is creeping up there in age. It starts to creep into the mind. How many more opportunities are we going to get to, to go and win a title? And so I, I think that does something to the player of, of that maturity level where that desperation comes in that much more and they can handle it. Ross, when I first got into this sport, I would ask my friends who knew way more about it than me, <laughs> Why doesn't the guy just launch it? Why doesn't he always just launch Like once he gets like relatively close, why doesn't he just launch it? If Tomas Chankalai were on the revs then, 
he would have by far been my favorite player because he does have that <laughs> mindset. He's like, you know what? If I'm not even within range, if I'm within range, if I'm out of range, like I am just throwing this as close to it. And he's, as you said, he hits the crossbar last week. He's had so many near misses and so yeah. many ones that don't go in that you say, like, I love that guy. <laughs> like, keep doing what you're doing. So you, you're right. He's been it. he's been a huge get for them. Hopefully they put it all together because, as we both kind of said the last couple of minutes, they do have the names. And if they're all fit and if they're playing well, which granted 